welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, my partners in a brand new book deal, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys, how are we doing this morning? We feeling good about that book deal? We feeling excited, feeling satisfied? Pipe put the picture out on social. Um, it, it seemed like the response was overwhelming. I mean, just, yeah, I can't I mean, go it, anywhere anymore. It was all positive except for one guy who said, what's the happy rant? And, uh, oh, you know, tough. why that's, is it that there could, there could be that's like five, 500 likes and 80 comments and one guy says that and I'm immediately like, well, just cancel the deal. I quit. Hey, like serious social media question for that guy, though. Why would why would he follow the happy rant accounts? While also not knowing what the hap- the happy rant is, that's just a practical question. Well, I shared it from my personal account, but okay. I also share all of our podcasts from my personal account, mm-hmm. which means that I would think he would have run across this before. And, but and his his name was John Piper, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> tough. I mean, tough to talk around. Don't the know what the happy rant is is like saying what's Earth? Hey Ted, what's the sky? Well, I mean, really. It's, I mean, it's outrageous just, to think that there's somebody on this planet that doesn't know who we are. I I reject that actually. I think this, he was just trying to be coy. This kind of global empire, you know, you got the kind of juice that we have in the industry. I mean, speaking of juice in the industry, boys, I want to talk about something tough, okay? Um, and it's something that we got a little bit candid about last night via text. Um, can can I go in on this pipe? Is this okay? Yeah, let's let's do it. So this will be a you know we're heading into Festivus. This is airing of grievances. So let's do right. this thing. Twenty twenty has been really hard for so many people, guys. And I want to talk about a way that it's been hard for us, which is that we all had books drop uh, at some point in twenty twenty or thereabouts. And I think as a podcast, we've been completely shut out of the self congratulatory. Um, book of the year. These are the books that I enjoyed most in 2020 lists that all these reform dorks put out. Um, and that we, for some reason consume. And, uh, I want to, I want to talk about this for a couple of minutes, why it's hard for us, why we think it's unjust that, um, we've been left off these. And, and I know justice is it's near and dear, you know, so let's go, let's go there. Um, yeah, there's so, there's social justice and then there's social media justice, and we're well, leaning it. heavily into yeah. social media justice. Wow, uh, you guys are so woke right now. I don't even know what to do with this. It's just you're. Oh, well, baby, you would know. Yeah, I mean, know. you're killing me with your social media justice wokeness right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just who we are. You're gonna have to be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, don't. And your skepticism is committing violence against my point of view. So I'd like you to stop, please. Guys, here's the thing, man. It's a frat. It's a frat club. The whole like best books yeah. thing. And it's like it feels to me. I'm just going right in, man, because it feels yeah. to me like you have to be part of a sort of a certain like fraternity of authors in a particular like scene before you even get noticed, which is fine and fair. I'm, I'm not in that. I, Maybe I, who's in the frat and, and why aren't you in it? That's what I want to know. Well, I mean, I'm just, I don't know why. I, I'm just, I'm, but I'm not, like, I'm not, well, also, I'm not writing, um, you know, I'm not writing a lot of books and I'm certainly not writing um, super geeky theological books, you know, that are, you know, that are, that are kind of oriented around finer points of, of sociology and all of those types of things, you know. I mean, my last book was a, a, you know, an Advent book for kids that dropped in 2019. Granted, the only Advent book that dropped for kids 
in 2019, but you know, it, it didn't quite get a mention, which is fine. You know, maybe you had a corner on that very niche market. I, I felt like I cornered the market that year because yeah. I literally did. You created the market and then you cornered it. It doesn't help that 2019 was five and a half years ago. So, you know, and, and we all true. know that books that are more than a year old no longer exist. So, sorry, sorry, Ronnie, your book is now five years old. Even just as we speak, it gained some months. And so, well, yeah, I, I think that's part of it. Well, I think it's part of it. But I also think this, too, is what you've noticed is that, um, you know, I mean, again, I made the joke last night on our on our text, which is like, you know, I mean, you know, the only person that's going to win like the young adult, like best young adult, like graphic novel award this year is like Sinclair Ferguson. Right. And that's only if he yeah, wrote yeah. one of those. So Priest, dude. Yeah, it's and that's just, who I'm competing with in my category. Well, Good luck, Ted. We're all competing yeah. with those with that group of of people that are writing whatever books they're writing. You know, hey, is, this a, is honestly, this a weird deal? Can I can I run something by you guys? Always. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. It surprised me that Sinclair Ferguson is still alive. I imagined him being a guy that was alive like 150 years ago. You know what I mean? But he's like a real he's like a real guy that's alive like now. Like writing new books that are getting book of the year and in well. Can, can I look him up? Yeah. yeah of and, and what's even weirder is I'm reading a book by him right now. I'm oh, reading his like and, Ruth commentary. And, and it's you really thought good, he was I, a, you thought he was a contemporary of like Martin Lloyd Jones, but yeah. but no. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, he's probably a contemporary of like your pops. He's probably younger than your pops, though, right, Pipe? Dude, he, yeah. dude, he's the age of my pops, basically. Yeah, he's so, not yeah, like he's that like, old, right? I mean, I, no, I, I think he's eighty-ish. No, he's no. seventy-two. I just looked it up. He was born. He's in younger than my dad. Yeah. Whoa. Sinclair, because Sinclair in my mind, Buchanan Sinclair Ferguson's Ferguson. been Sinclair Ferguson's been old in my mind for like thirty years. Well, he's I been mean, dead for thirty years in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I was so bummed that he beat me in my category this year. Without even writing no. a book in it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Tough. Like, Here's tough. what I mean, though, guys. Let me get back to the point, though. Here's what I mean. is like it's like, It works like the music industry. It's like no matter – like if Beyonce puts out a record, it's going to get some kind of Grammy nod, even if it's not her finest. It's just that it's her. And so it's really more – It's that's why it's kind of a frat. It's It's more about – this is my best friend. This is the person I like. And when they do something, by virtue of them being my buddy, I'm going to give them most of my time and attention. Now, I think – now, here's what's weird, man. I'm going to put a twister into this, and I want you guys to, to riff on this for a sec. Sure. I think what's weird this year is that in all of the best of book categories that have dropped thus far, um, you keep seeing a Mr. Carl Truman popping up like in all of these – like best book of the year, like end notes. And I think that's really funny because nobody knows what to do with Truman. Like he's a, he's a super love hate guy in our tribe. Why so does nobody know what to do with all Truman? These What's that? Why does nobody know what to do with him? Because he's kind of, he's kind of the angry, he's kind of the angry dude. You know what I mean? But like, he's, he's super reformed and orthodox, but he's angry, but he's not angry like John MacArthur. So he has this weird, like middle ground where he thinks really rightly about a lot of things, but he's also super critical. Dude, about he's British. So you give him a lot more leash. If, if, 100%, if, right? if that guy was from, everything sounds better, right? If he so. was from like Missouri, he'd be, he'd be Douglas Wilson 2.0 probably. Or, he, or he'd just be, or he would get no, he would get, he'd be like us. No book of the year awards. I kind of dig him, dude. I kind of, well, the, cool. the other thing is, yeah, he just, he doesn't plant his flag in any sort of, uh, tribal camp. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he's, 
he's kind of the the best version of reformed in the sense that he actually cares about the theology, not the culture. And so he just sort of writes what he writes and he doesn't Mm -hmm. care what people think. And so, you know, he's written a bunch of books that nobody's ever paid any attention to, or they, you know, they, you know, his students at whatever seminary he teaches at now cared or whatever. And then he finally wrote one that touched a nerve and, uh, and it, yeah, it's tops on all of the, the nerdy reformed lists. Um, and what's it but, about? Uh, I haven't read it. My, my understanding is that it's sort of about the look, looking at how modern people view the self versus the way it has been viewed in history. So now we get to define our own mm-hmm. self. We get to define our own gender, et cetera. Um, and how that's Sounds just like sort of a, a, a massive departure from anything that is supposed to be real and true. Yeah. Um, he lined up the cultural moment right now, for sure. I mean, the topic is like just, it just on track, you know what I mean? It's like on pace with what we're all talking about, you know, shout out Carl Truman, man. What a beast. Yeah. CT. Um, you know, Piper, I have a question for you. I want to know. And Ron, you had a question in there too, didn't you? Did we get sidetracked by the Carl Truman thing? What was your question, baby? Um, I don't, don't want to step on it. I don't know if I had a question. I think I was just commentating. I have a question for Piper about the fraternity. Um, who's oh, in it? I did have a question. Maybe what it was is your question, your, baby. But maybe it's your question, Ted. So yeah. I said last night in the thread, man, I said, and this was not an insult, by the way, Pipe. This was like legitimate. Sure. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with being in the frat. It's just I don't know. I'm not in it, you know. Yeah. But I would have thought that you were were in it. And I'm not saying squarely in it, but I would have thought. I think, and I think TK would have thought this too. Like you're kind of in that pipe, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So, so my question to you, Piper. That's good, baby. Who's in the frat? How do you get in it? And why aren't you in it? Um. Okay. So. I don't know if I should, I don't know what order I should take those questions in. So who's in it? How do you get in it? And why am I not in it? Yeah. Um, who's in it is, we'll, we'll just call it the gospel coalition frat. Um, because they are the, they're the, they're not a very big circle, but they're the biggest circle of reformdom. Um, and the easiest to get into if you're interested. So it's, but the way you get into it, is by writing in a very particular vein. It is reformed theology as it applies to whatever cultural thing you're discussing. Or you can go to one end or the other and just kind of go theological nerdery, you know? Mm-hmm. So for example, a friend of mine today wrote there and it's like a it's basically a biblical commentary take on verses out of Revelation, you know? So the kind of thing that none of us would ever write. Um so that's how you get in on it and and I don't, you know, so I don't, I don't write that. You know, you have like the Brett McCracken, like Reformed Theology and Terrence Malick. You've got the guys who are like Reformed Theology and Minor League Baseball, which, you know. <laughs> which could have just, been us, Piper. Yeah, goodness. If, God, God's sovereignty and, baseball, God's sovereignty and not making the major leagues and things like that. Um, yeah. And so, and then there's a ton of like church leadership kind of stuff that lean into the more pastoral than the leadership strategy, but they're kind of. It's just there's a, there's a lot of church leader stuff in there, um, and so you know none of us write in that vein. So that's why we're not in it. And the other thing is here's here's the other reason that I'm not in it. Um, a I I haven't tried to be. You know I'm not trying to. Um, I don't pitch stuff to to Gospel Coalition. You know they this is going to sound super arrogant. Years. If if they want me to write for them. They can ask, 
they have my email, you know, they have my phone number. Like I'm, I'm on good right. terms with them, but they don't, they don't ask. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I don't pitch, I don't pitch stuff to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't either. It's, I, there was a time when I would have, because I, you know, I felt like I have to, you know, establish myself as a writer. And at this point I'm just like, I don't, I'm not going to go volunteer to do work for no money where, you know, for a place that, that will also edit my work to sound like something I didn't intend it to be. Um, and so that's a piece of it. The other thing is I do a podcast with two guys where we, we make fun of the reformed world for all of its idiosyncrasies, even as we live within it and are very content within it. Um, but we look around and we go, this is a weird place. They are not comfortable, generally speaking, being told you are a weird place who, and you do weird things. <laughs> yeah, so not a lot of sense true. of humor, no self-deprecation. Um, yeah. that's, I think that's, that's kind of why you, I slash we live on the outside. Yeah, it's an out. I mean, that's, I think that's really well said, Pipe. I mean, it really is. And I wonder, because this podcast is so huge, I wonder if it's made us even like just more of kind of a known like outlier, like like there's there's a there's a sense where it's like, I mean, man, I feel like we are so harmless in everything we do. I want to state that for the record. I think everything we do is completely (laughs) harmless and ridiculously PG rated. But at the same time, when you talk about kind of the tribe that we find ourselves on the outside of, like you can't say that about that tribe at all. You know what I mean? Um, they're very serious. They take themselves very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think we find some joy and some funniness and some humor in, in that, right? Even yeah. though we're saying, hey, we line up with you theologically and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it puts us in a – it might put us – this is what I'm trying to say. It might put us at more of a disadvantage than we think because some people might not understand that we're saying, hey, we're, we're making fun of you as being one of you. And they might just think, oh, they're just, they're critical. They're just kind of, they're Boys. Snuffed, you know. Boys, I got a marketing idea. And we could uh, we could get this ready probably in time for a, a little holiday called Christmas um, that some of us are really into. Uh, here's my idea. We start our own fraternity. Whoa. And we make, we make like fraternity shirts. Um, and the reason I say this is, We've rekindled our relationship. We've renewed our vows with uh, a company called Missional Wear. And Missional Wear, they're hard at work right now as we speak. They're in the lab, like, cooking up uh, a whole new batch of promotional items for the Happy Rant. Uh, I think the Happy Rant fraternity T-shirt needs to be one of them. Um, I don't know what the Greek letters for HRP would be, Happy Rant Podcast. uh, But we need those on a T-shirt stat. Uh, you guys would know because you're men of the cloth. Uh, what do you think of this idea? Happy Rant Fraternity uh, branded gear. Are we in? I mean, I, we. I mean, it, it, we are any. We are you know anything if not a fraternity, right? I mean, we have yeah, we yeah. have established that about ourselves, our listeners, the culture we've created, the world, the earth that we embody. As could, and we're frat guys, basically. Well, I mean, our could, ethos is that of frat guys. I I would I would like to push back a little bit on this idea out of I just I cringe at the idea of being associated with fraternities. Could we make it a society instead? Well, I agree, Pipe, but the fact that you pushed back still it causes confusion on why you're not in that group we just talked about because that group just loves to push back on everything. So 
Come I, on. Yeah, but apparently I push back on all the wrong things and don't agree with them on the I right things. I guess you push I don't back know. on them too, and you can't do yeah. that. Dude, yeah, what, I, what are there? What's on their Mount Rushmore of things to push back on? I think I think this is interesting. Oh, the things what, that what, they will that they will push back on. Yeah, um, I think C.S. Lewis is one of them. Like when you get your like card carrying reformed guy card, when you're a reformed adult, like having some concerns about C.S. Lewis is like that's up there. That's on the rush. Oh, Big T, are you saying like what what can't we not push back on them about? Like what are the no nos? Well, no, what do they love to push back on? What do they push back on? Oh, the yeah. the C.S. Lewis thing is interesting though because they nobody loves C.S. Lewis like reformed guys, which is... They love him, but they love to find concerns, too. Right, but... The least reformed guy ever, C.S. Lewis. They treat C.S. Lewis like, uh, you know, a doting parent treats a misbehaving child, where the concerns are like, oh, I mean, we know he didn't really like reformed theology. We know he had some, some... questions about his relationships we know this and that but <laughs> but isn't that cute kind of thing they put him in bubble wrap and then they want to like throw darts right. in the bubbles you know yes yes this would be like brian zond today to the reformed community it's when you when you really think about it when you really break it down you know what i mean i don't know who that is baby oh okay who is it i i mean just kind of a kind of a card carrying like arminian you know uh, kind of a little artistic Slightly mm. mystical. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Loves to I talk mean. about the violence of the atonement and kind of scoff at it. Things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, Richard Rohr. He tries to be nice with reform dudes, but he's like, he's pretty clear in, in, you know, saying, hey, man, you guys are, you guys are, you guys are way too angry. I mean, he's right about some of it, right? You guys are way too angry and you guys are way too staunch and stern. And, you know, Dude, the, the second, uh, the second monument on the reformed Rushmore of things to push back on. Pipe's dad. Having a few oh. little concerns about Pipe's dad. Um, I think that's on, that's on the Rushmore, right? Yeah, because well, you, and and especially because my dad is, you know, the one of the you know foundational Calvinist cultural formation dudes who mm-hmm. also uh, is very willing to talk about issues of race and social justice. And so, like, my, my dad has multiple things that people can be very concerned about. They're like, I love his theology, but, you know, right. he, he said right. this about, about social justice. Or on the flip side, you get people who are kind of moderate complementarians who love to be offended by his much more staunch complementarianism. And, yeah, so like he's— that's you guys. Oh, yeah, that, there, there's some of these things that— I I would that that would be my stance towards my dad. I would call myself uh-huh. a a much more moderate complementarian, and he's a uh, he's he's less moderate, and we don't necessarily agree on all of that. Yeah, dude. So going to seminary, hitting like age thirty three, and then starting to front pipes dad. That's that's part of the reform guy um, uh, approach. Timmy K is on the Rushmore. You know, having some concerns about Timmy K. Although that one's almost too easy. But right? see, oh, so here's the funny thing is Tim Keller is one of the founders of the Gospel Coalition, one of the driving forces behind it, and the TGC crowd, a a significant percentage of them have turned on him for his general even-handedness and willingness to not be a colossal uh, jerk theologically. (laughs) And they, you know, he's a a lib because of those Those are horrible qualities in a person. Yes, terrible. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, Timmy K has always, 
I mean, Pipe, he's always been accused of being on the left side of things, even though he's theologically conservative. He's always been considered more socially liberal. You know, that's something that people have leveled at him, probably because of where he's from, where he's done ministry all these years. Um, but I think he's I think he's I think he's conservative and right enough in all the categories to where he's been largely embraced by reformed him. But for those who are obviously leaning way more um, and this used to be a pushback um, to, to the MacArthur side of reformed. Um, I mean, they I mean, they just ain't got no time for Timmy K these days. Mm. Right? I mean, so there's like oh. these factions now. So we talk about fraternities, man. We're talking about like factions now in reformed um, where it's like, no, 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 I'm in reformed um, but I'm a I'm a MacArthur reformed guy. You are more of like a, a Timmy K reformed mm. guy. You know, and my Is favorite thing about that is that none of it has to do with actual reformedum. Like reformed has come to mean something utterly unrelated to what it actually means. Like words, just we've just we've just completely redefined it. I don't even I don't something, understand it at all. Something kicked in for me a minute ago, in which it made me hate the world and hate us. You know what I mean? Like that that started that feeling hey, started. Like one There's no, ago. we don't have time for you hating on us right now. All right, let's talk about Christmas so that Ted can talk about something else that will make him hate the world or, or possibly yeah, right, put a smile dude, on gotta, his face. We got to get into Christmas. Dude, we flesh it out. What, what made you – what's the thought? About Christmas? No, that made you hate us and them and the world. Well, dude, just just all these, like, factions of reformedum and the fact that this is a thing that we can put words to, it's kind of depressing. You know it's what I mean? Depressing. Um, it's depressing. It's depressing because anytime any movement gets – too much steam and too much energy, it starts to like eat itself from within. Arguably, and, too uh, much celebrity and too much money and too much influence, maybe. Yeah, too much celebrity, too much money, too much influence. Um, which is just us being uh, wounded because we're not enjoying much of the celebrity and money and influence. So, well, I mean, you can say that. I mean, let's not say that out of embarrassment, though. Let's just say it out of like that is the reality of like. I mean, you know, I, I mean, there's. There's only going to be there's only room for like five real famous guys in any movement, right? So true. Yeah. The odds of us being Tim Keller, John. I mean, yeah, Barnabas is. I mean, he's guilty by association. So you know, but I mean, so it's not even that. It's just like what we can do without any cynicism or bitterness is we can stand at least a little bit on the outside like we do, and just say, hey, man, we love these guys, but we also we also can recognize kind of the, the downside to um, what happens when you become, you know, when, when you become a, when you become a lot of people's daily cultural moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I mean, there's a lot of things that go wrong when um, popularity and influence and power, you know, kind of become the centralized theme that drives those things. And it doesn't mean it's always corrupt at all. I, I mean, I, man, I stand behind TGC. I love TGC. I mean, I've always been a huge fan, um, you know, whether they pick my Advent book for one of their books of the year or not, you know, mm. but but man, there's but there is. But what you just said, that was true, though, to you, like there's danger in these things, um, mm. because in any time a movement becomes a movement and then it starts growing, it inevitably is going to faction out because there's yeah. it's almost nowhere for it to go because you can't maintain when there's no like president technically. There's there, it, it can't stay unified in that sense. Yeah. And it's maybe it's not something that's supposed to stay unified in all the ways that we think unity's supposed to happen. Anyway, it should be a diverse movement 
in some respects anyway, right, Pipe? I mean, am I well, crazy? yeah, and I, I think the other thing is that like TGC was designed to be kind of we agree on these big buckets and we kind of agree or disagree with with graciousness on these secondary issues doing that well requires like a a real significant centralized sort of culture and leadership and tgc is kind of two things there's like the conference which exhibits that fairly well but we haven't seen that in a while because covid the other is the website which doesn't seem to have any relation to that at all but it's their bigger presence and so it's not disagreeing with grace it's just generally kind of a bunch of different opinions the Mm -hmm. comments are a hot mess of people being not nice and Mm -hmm. so there's not a centralized like this is what we put out into the world uh this is this is what we stand for now if you go look at like their statement on what it looks like to be a gospel coalition affiliated church uh, you guys Mm -hmm. would look at that and go yeah absolutely we would we're on board with that like yeah, uh, my church so many use their statement of faith yeah i mean it's we we use that doctrine. we use that as a foundation for our doctrinal statement in Emmanuel because it's just so sort of centrally located in terms of uh the gospel and reformed theology and whatever and it's not a cultural flashpoint uh it's but beyond that it just you know we're not <laughs> the whole purpose of sort of being gracious on secondary things, which somebody like Tim Keller exemplifies well, is not how things you know are, are generally portrayed, exhibited, and interacted about. So yeah, Ted, I I get the like I would like to just quit this conversation because it does get tiresome and exhausting. But also, yeah, yeah, I I, I wouldn't want to leave it thinking with listeners thinking that I you know we think TGC is just a, a trash heap as a whole thing. It's right. It people's interactions with it should go live in the trash heap. But I think that's it, a great point. Yeah. yeah I think a, they're two different that's a things. Great point. Absolutely. Well said, Pipe. Way to way to put a finer point on that. Um for sure. Okay, boys, let's do a couple minutes on Christmas. Um I feel like this is something we always do. Uh I feel like Piper sent out something to the group chat last night that was funny about Christmas. And it was these minimalist uh nativity scenes. Um, because this is radio and not television, I'm going to try to describe what these are. So imagine a real nativity scene with like Mary and Joseph and Jesus and some animals, maybe some wise men uh, in a manger. This minimalist nativity scene was like a block of wood, two other blocks of wood in a circle. And that was it. Yeah, it kind of um, looked like marbles and, and a this wooden is supposed box. To really put your heart into a posture of worship as you think about um, Jesus, the incarnation, Mary and Joseph, um, and what happened in the manger that night. I know that just seeing that block of wood uh, adjacent to the two circles was really moving for me. Um, I know something stirred in my spirit when I saw that. Um, And it was, uh, where do I buy that so that I can photograph it and look cooler? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you boys make of these minimalist nativity sets? I believe Ronnie's comment was, I saw that loved them or something to that effect, which, uh, you know, there are some statements you're just allowed to have and some statements that require a defense. I think you need to defend your statement, Ronnie. 
Oh, dude, I just, yeah, no, it, it was like, it was like this, it, I mean, obviously it feels like a joke, right? So they, somebody posted these, this minimal nativity. Some uh, of them are just like these pieces of wood. Some of them are like these round balls just representing each piece <laughs> and, and part of the, of the nativity <laughs> And you just look at it and like, well, so, so mid-century modern is like, it's like, it's hot right now. You know, it's it's kind of growing in popularity. Ikea has kind of helped it. So that that's sort of that mid-century minimalist mm-hmm. vibe that people like to use for house decor right now. And so this dude, this just perfectly <laughs> fits in that. And I and that's I love that aesthetic. It's so my aesthetic. And like I saw that and I just went, oh, um, we have arrived, you know, because mm-hmm. here's funny, boys. I'm going to I'm going to have to call out Big M a little bit here and she's not going to like this. But this is mm-hmm. just what has to be, you know, but tough love, baby. Here tough love. we try to find we try to find a nativity set that doesn't look like something that was like handcrafted in 1971. And for some reason, no matter what you try to buy, they all still look like that. And uh-huh. big M is like, I'm like, let's just get the 1971. You're like, let's just do it. And she's like, no, I just, I can't, it doesn't go with her style. So every year we don't have a nativity set. I don't want to get one. So I saw this one. I'm like, we found it. You ordered it. Didn't you? We're in. I ordered all five of them. We're in. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just you just made some eight year old who learned how to use like a handsaw and sandpaper rich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I did? I just put out an orange and an apple and a piece of celery and I called that a nativity set. Is that nice? Does that get your heart into a posture of worship? It does. Yeah. It does for sure. Because that's what I'm writing ship album right now, just as you talking about it, you know. I put out three baseballs and a football and I called that a nativity set. I wonder what I wonder what Carl Truman would say about these nativity sets and their their minimalization of the gospel. I feel like there's a TGC article in there somewhere. Oh, there is, dude. There's there's uh, four thousand words in there somewhere, Piper. Um, the opposite of a minimalist article. How are you boys doing with Christmas this year? What's the what's the vibe? What's the posture? I'll tell you how I'm doing. I'm like the um, I'm like the cage at the Bellagio this year. There's so much money flowing through me. In terms of I've just like spread open my arms and closed my eyes and like fallen backward into the role of I just buy everyone's Christmas gifts for everybody else because I'm like the 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 person who knows the hearts and minds and affinities of all the people in my family. So I'm like uh, brokering Christmas for everybody. And I used to hate it. I used to really resent it. But now I just carve out time for it. Um and I'm money's flowing through me this year. Maybe what does that mean? So you 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 basically go and do everybody's shopping for them. What do you? Yeah, doing? and I do it all online. So like all of the sort of uh, semi-connected people in my family and my extended family um, who don't really know how to buy gifts for like you know my kids, my wife, um, other people. I, I actually physically purchase all the gifts because I know what they like and people just give me money to do that. So I'm essentially like <clears throat> I'm I'm a Christmas like brokerage house. Like if you've seen um, Wall Street, the seminal 1980s like stock trading movie uh, with Michael Douglas as Gordon Gecko. I'm 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 essentially the Gordon Gecko of Christmas. Baby, that's wild. I don't even. I'm trying to get my head processed around that because I, I it's so baffling to me. So 
basically give me give me like a real life example like your dad comes to you and says i need a gift for mom why don't you get on that son no my dad's good at buying for my mom so my dad because my dad has the same like dna as me like he knows he understands people. Uh, yeah that's no, barring adoption that's yeah. usually how that works did i describe that in general of what you're you described about? it in general so it would be more like um you know an aunt or an uncle coming to me and being like hey Tristan's 18. He's tough to buy for. I don't really know what he's into or what he needs. So can you just handle it? Here's 50 bucks, you know, like that, that kind of thing. And okay. Yeah. So is, dude, I have a question. I used to really resent that, but now I'm, I'm kind of in on it. Is, is that a small family thing? Because the thought of getting gifts for extended family, just like, we don't, we never do that. Um, and nobody does yeah. it for my kids either. So no, no, no gifts from aunts and uncles, um, et cetera, because there's, you know, there's a, they have like 15 cousins and whatever else. And so it's just not a thing we do. Is it, is that a small family thing or is this like everybody's just be. uber generous in the cluck clan? Yeah, Pipe, that's us too, man. We, there's just too much. Like it would just be, we'd all be going bankrupt every year. You know? I'd say it's a small family thing. Plus with the extensions of a few, like there are a few aunts and uncles and a few family members who are. Who, who are pretty close, but they live far away. And my kids are getting to that age of like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're 14 and 18. So, you know, they're into what they're into, which changes from year to year. And they're a little bit tough to buy for. So, um, yeah. I've just ended up brokering the whole, the whole thing, which feels a little crass. Um, but it's also a way more efficient way to do things. And, and like, I like keeping things efficient. I don't like wasting a lot of time. So, well, dude, there's a lot of practicality to Christmas, right? I mean, like we get yeah. caught up in the spirit and the beauty and the, the, the spectacularness of it. Some of us do. Some of us. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and then but but there is this sense where like we got to we got to click on Amazon at some point. Sure. Right? We got to make this thing happen. Like we yeah. got to deliver results. Right. It's yeah. like Santa Claus doesn't just get a, sit around like eating cookies all year. Like he has a team in place. Like he has an organization in place that's putting things together. Right. Christmas I mean, is a results oriented business, baby. At the at the end of the day, at the bottom line of it. Right. Um, speaking of, are you a part of a big Christmas confab with some some heavy hitters, baby? Um, a little a little Dan Darling production. Dan Darling, the OG uh, uh, kind of platformer from a few years ago. Are you are you onto something with this? I mean, so here's what happened, man. So so D Darling. Um, he uh, he he wrote this book called The Characters of Christmas. Sure. Last year it dropped in 2019. Um, I think mm. it got one of the Book of the Year awards, um, even though my Christmas Advent book didn't. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so anyway, so I loved the book because it really is great. I think it's great. And um, and we kind of sparked up a bit of a, just a, a, a just a minor online friendship. And so maybe a little business friendship. Well, I mean, I wasn't thinking of it that way. I just really liked the book, and I said, "Hey, I love the book," and I had a question about the book. Cause I was going to, I was going to use it maybe as the basis of a sermon series. So I literally, I had a legit question about it. And uh, so he answered my question. He was really nice. And then we, we talked a few times during the year. So he put together this Christmas panel and I just got a, you know, I just got a, I just got an email out of the blue from, from, from DD. And uh, he said, said, Hey, do you want to be a part of this thing? I, and then it turns out that he had some heavy hitters on there like Beth Moore and, uh, and Ray Ortland. And I, so here, so boys, here's the funny story. So gosh, dang it, dude, that's big. Was that a, that was a huge morning when you got that email, baby. Well, it was just weird. I well, see, I didn't even know at first they were on it, and then and then I then the the ad comes out, and I'm like, oh, dude. And so I get on. So check this out. So I get on this thing, 
And um, I, I log on right at the time. And the yeah, only yeah. two other people that were logged on at the time were, were Beth and Ray. So before this thing even kicks off, me and Beth and Ray are just chit-chatting, man. We're just we're just having a grand old time, man, just talking about life. And Baby, you're doing some industry work. How long until you're on tour with Beth Moore? I oh, feel like this is Apex Mountain for you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the Beth Moore thing, I, I mean, up until – up until reformdom decided it was okay to like Beth Moore, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't really tracking with her, if I'm being honest. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, so it's it's a new thing. I she seems like a delightful person. Mm, there you go. There's the work. We're doing work. We're we're laying just groundwork, to, Piper. Just to clarify, only certain of course, parts Piper, of reformdom. Only certain parts of reformdom have agreed that it's okay to like. That's Beth a Moore. given. That's a given. But maybe we can start saying that those other parts of reformedum aren't really reformedum. I have no opinion on Beth Moore. I mean, like I know that she's alive, which is more than I could say for Sinclair Ferguson 20 minutes ago. Which shout out Sinclair Ferguson. I hope he's not offended by the fact that I I assumed he was he's been dead for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Sinclair, av- avid you listener, you just that you cause problems with that one. We lost a listener. I hope that doesn't hurt our our sponsorship deals in the future. But gotcha. uh, Sinclair, we love you and we know you're listening. Please tough don't deal. Pipe, how's Christmas, uh, how's Christmas shaping up for you, baby? Well, I, I was mostly just thinking that the phrase Christmas panel, <laughs> I don't know that anything would interest me less than seeing something tagged oh a Christmas gosh, yes, panel. Yeah. Hey, Pipe, that's the least surprising thing any of our listeners will ever hear you say. Well, no, I thought of one thing. If it had been called a Christmas webinar, I would have I would have jumped ship <laughs> even faster. Yeah, exactly. I think it was called that, too. Oh, oh my gosh! Dude. And here's the thing: like, I all of the people who are involved in that, I know and like to, you know, or know to some degree, and really like. And I still like you couldn't pay me money <laughs> to tune into yeah. a Christmas panel, dude. How much would they have to pay you to get to get you to sit through an hour and a half of a Christmas panel? Fifty bucks? Would you do it for fifty? An hour and a half? Hour and no, a half? No, I wouldn't do it for fifty. Dude, Christmas no, panel. no, I wouldn't do it for fifty bucks. You wouldn't do it for fifty bucks. No, I might be in for fifty, but I doubt it. I think um, I think for like a hundred bucks and like a gift card to my favorite restaurant, I would consider it. But there I mean, you go, hundred bucks and dinner. It's like it's like T being fascinated right now that I wouldn't watch an NFL game on Sunday night. It's like it's the least newsy news of all time. Well, no, dude, I think it's a little different because you would you would never have watched an NFL game, but an NFL game is a it it, it is a bankable product that people have been watching and spending money on for 70 years. Um, whereas the idea of a Christmas panel is a fairly new product that I think, I think pipe and I are left scratching our heads and wondering like, who, who is it that's opting in for this? You know what I mean? I, but I, mean I think, I think we all know that like you boys, it, I mean, from now until the end of the time, to- end of time, you would, you would just never opt in for something like that. That's well, I mean, I like Christmas, but I'm not ready to listen to like four, you know, talking heads like uh, platform about it. You know, like it's just not. You know what I mean? Like well, there's there's a, there's a, there's a the, the other aspect of this is that while it's not news that on to listeners of this podcast that I don't care about Christmas festivities, um, there's a lot of moral pearl clutching about. Christmas festivities. So, for example, when I say I don't really like most Christmas movies, I don't really like Christmas music, I would never watch a Christmas special of any kind on any screen if left up to me. People look at me as if I said, I enjoy clubbing baby seals. 
<laughs> Whereas if you say, I will never watch an NFL game on any screen, people look at you and go, oh, he's just into other things. Like he oh, has other interests. That. You think because I'm the only guy in the world that doesn't watch NFL football, that doesn't cost me? Dude, you, you got another thing. I guess I don't live in small town Ohio. I live in a place where there's a lot of artsy folks and a lot of people take great joy in not liking, you know, popular things like sports. Oh, totally. I, Nashville I, is filthy. Art with guys people. have sports as their guilty pleasure if it's not guilty. You know, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't Maybe, know. Can I ask you a serious question? Yeah. How are love- you not living in Nashville by now? Well, I mean, I grew up as the – my whole time in the industry was the – we were anti-national. I was on an anti-national label. Tooth and Nail. I was in Seattle. It was, it was to be true. everything against DC Talk and the yeah. Newsboys and all of that commercial – just schlop that was being yeah. thrust upon the on the CBA, man. I mean, we were dude. That's we true. were just it was it was totally anti the whole yeah. time. Yeah. No, that 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 actually is a really good answer, and um, yeah, it's really clear. That makes a ton of sense. I uh, mean, what's right or wrong? I mean, that is just literally that's a factual thing. I just said it. it's you know in in terms of a in terms of it being like you know too harsh or mm-hmm. unkind or it's just that was that's the fact. No, I, it's not too it harsh or unkind. It makes it it makes a ton of sense actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, although, yeah, Nashville comes with it comes with its own pleasures in the sense that I think you would find community in a lot of people who uh, were turning their backs on the NFL. But I'll, I'll tell you what else about Nashville, baby. A lot of Enneagram fours walked around there. Um, oh, goodness. Being super unique. And I think that would yes. that would and you talking it, endlessly about their uniqueness. Well, the problem with Enneagram 4s in Nashville is just because they write a song doesn't mean they're unique. It just means they wrote a song, and most of their songs aren't very unique. Yeah, it means they're a barista. (laughs) (laughs) I think, but here's the thing, boys. As I've gotten older, and I'm an old man now, I think I I would actually enjoy some aspects of, of Nashville and being around some of those types because I'm... I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not as I'm not as anti as I as I once was back in my younger years. So I, I think, you know, I can yeah. I've mellowed out quite a bit. And I I love living in Nashville in the Nashville area. It has been it has been a wonderful whatever seven plus years. But that particular aspect, the I'm super special, creative, and I kind of live in my feelings is mm-hmm. is a tad tiresome. You know what's funny, Pipe? This is this is the thing too, man. I see. So I'm an Enneagram four, but I also have a lot of you don't Enneagram say in me. No, I also have a lot of <laughs> in me, which means I man, I don't do well with the guys that are just living in their feelings because I actually I get things done as as an artistic guy. So I'm mm-hmm. I really am. I do have sort of this like, look, man, you can't you cannot just drown in all of your like artiness. You you actually have to like finish something and get the work done, be productive. So I'm with you, man. That I, I've always struggled with those dudes that are just sort of like floating and flying. However you think I present myself. Um I, I'm with you on that. Oh I no, that was not an accusation at you. That was it no, you I know, didn't think of that. It was yeah, like the I, I resonate with that. The mid mid to late twenties Nashville creative types who <laughs> Everything they do is distinct from everything everybody else has ever done. And it's, you know, good luck to them, I guess. Even though you can't distinguish between any of them. Right. Ironically. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or their fedoras. (laughs) God bless those kids. issue with, by the way, boys. I'm just going to throw it out there. That's another talk for another. What's the issue, baby? Let's let's go real quick. I despise... Dude, I like him on Frank Sinatra and my yeah, grandpa. Yeah, that's different, man. He was the only guy that was allowed to wear it. Maybe a little Dino Martin, maybe yeah. a little Bing Crosby, but nobody else. I'm just yeah, agreed. I can't do it, man. Yeah, it's tough, dude. It's that's tough. Friendly, you want to talk tough? That's tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, boys, we've uh, we've done what we always do on this program in that we've hit a little Christmas, a little Enneagram, a little industry. Um, we've wandered to and fro throughout it. But Piper, we would be remiss if we didn't do what we also always do on this program, which is a little business. We got to pay the bills. We got to keep the lights on here at Happy Rant Corporate. So tell us about Dwell Bible. Absolutely. Uh, Dwell Bible is our longtime partner. It's an audio Bible app. Listeners, you can go to dwellapp.io slash happyrant to check them out. Um, they uh, they offer a 20% discount if you go through that link to subscribe. It comes out to less than 2 bucks a month. And it's not just a basic audio app. They have a whole bunch of different features and plans and narrators and music and um, all sorts of different things to help you figure out the best way to um, engage in your listening of Scripture, get it into your life, get it into your family's life. They're also offering uh, gift, basically digital gift cards right now, so you can give Dwell to others um, for Christmas this year. Coming up on the new year, it's a great time to sort of reevaluate how you've been getting into Scripture. Dwell is a great way to do that. So again, go to dwellapp.io slash happyrant uh, and check it out today. Piper, well said. and So succinct, too. So succinct. And apologies if you can hear my wife and my son like bloviating at each other over the radio feed. Can you guys hear that? No. Yeah, they're right outside my office, like, I don't know, chopping it up about the day. But, uh, boys, we've done what we always do on this program in that we've wandered to and fro throughout a variety of topics. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.